to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I was really tossed into this week. I am recording this Monday. This podcast drops Wednesday. But there was just a a buttload of Disney news. I can say that. That's appropriate. I won't, I won't ruin my clean audio rating on Apple. <laughs> but there was so much Disney news this morning, which we will get into shortly. But wow, what a drop. What a drop of news. Anyway, this weekend, I did myself a little favor and I took an actual weekend. And I got to tell you, it was divine. It was wonderful. I knew from the get-go that this week would be a bit of an off week. We're going to do a mailbag, which doesn't mean that there's not nothing. It's going to be fun, but I am not going to be, you know in the ditches reporting a story quickly, rapidly trying to get it out because I'm going to do that in advance for the next few episodes, which I'm very, 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 very excited for and cannot wait to share with you. But this weekend, I actually did stuff. I went to a drive-in. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I had not seen before. And I guess I've really never seen a Tarantino film because for two hours and 40 minutes, which I'm told by my husband, is a normal amount of time for a Tarantino film, I kept turning to him going, why is this still happening? Apparently, that's just the style. Did not know. (laughs) Did not know. Did not know. Not not a big film buff, as you can tell. I mostly kick it to Monsters University, which people make fun of me for every time I mention it on the podcast. And you know what? I don't care. I love a story about a little creature just trying to get a job. That's that's who I identify with. Not a beautiful blonde celebrity. Sorry, I just I love I love Monsters University. But I did that. I went for a hike, which was very tiring when your legs don't move through space anymore. All I do is just sit at my desk like real Wally style, just with less styrofoam cups full of soda. But I could rectify that because I do have a new Diet Dr. Pepper habit. I'm not going to lie. Real into it lately. I watched Ratatouille Saturday night, which was wonderful. And following last week's episode, I, I got to be real with you. Like, I know I said that those musicians were so talented who wrote those songs for the TikTok musical. But I was watching the movie being like, this could be plussed by these songs. Like, those songs would work brilliantly in the film. They would just make the story better. And they were in my head the entire time. They were in my head the entire time. I couldn't stop singing them to myself in my head. So I think they enhanced the movie. And I highly recommend, after listening to last week's episode to go take a viewing of Ratatouille and see what I mean. It's like, they really they really hit the nail on the head. Like, those songs are good. One may say they slap. It's cool kid terms that I don't even think children use. It's just what old people do to try to sound young. Anyway, yesterday, big news. Went to Downtown Disney for the first time since... March. And I was extremely pleasantly surprised. I thought it was incredibly organized. It was very well done. I never, throughout my entire visit there, had one moment of being like, ah, like everything felt really fine and really organized and very straightforward. And I had a really nice time. And it was like, it was really good to be back, even though back was just me like holding on to the gates, peering through, being like, there's Christmas decor. But still, it. I mean, you're, you're on this. You're on the soil. You're standing there. You're back. I desperately tried to 
be above buying anything while I was there because that's all there is to do is to like buy food, buy drinks, buy merchandise. But I, of course, bought <laughs> all three. Will I have churro toffee for breakfast? Yes. Yes, I will because I bought it and I'm very excited about it. I did buy... And this became a bit of a thing on Instagram, but I bought one of the uh, the Mickey caramel apples, but I bought one that looks like a Mickey snowman, except that he has a sour belt scarf and he's wearing a hat. And a lot of people, because I'm Jewish, I don't celebrate Christmas, so I don't know things like a Christmas carol or a Christmas story or like famous Christmas things. And I was like, this doesn't quite look like your run of the mill Mickey snowman. This looks different because he had this very specific printed white chocolate hat. It's like this little hat applique, I guess you'd call it. And it's brown and it has like a little piece of uh, holly in it, I think. I, I should know these things. Like I'm an American. I don't know why I don't know basic Christmas stuff. But uh, it had this very specific hat that I thought meant it was a different character, but everyone yelled at me and said just a snowman and then one person my friend marco said he thinks it's mickey christmas carol which is what i'm kind of leaning to but either way i ate it and it was delicious that's the point but there is christmas decor up because this week buena vista street at disney california adventure will be opening for food shopping and dining so i i may or may not go not on opening day i may go afterwards because i might be in the area for a story so We'll see if next week, if this time next week, I'll be like, I went and I bought $45 worth of popcorn and carried it in a trash bag over my shoulder like Santa. Because if I can get theme park popcorn again, whoo, baby, all bets are off. So it was a really, it was a really, really nice time. And now I'm here and there is so much Disney news and there's so much to discuss and there's so many wonderful calls. And I'm so excited to share everything with you. Uh, We are going to be doing something a little different in December. That's all I'm going to say. That's the only clue I'm going to give, but it's fun. And I think you'll really like it. I think it's going to be, it's a little different, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. So I will kick it over to news shortly, but uh, thank you for listening. Happy early Thanksgiving. The reason that this week is a little light is because I want to make sure that there is a full episode for you to enjoy over both Thanksgiving and Christmas week, especially because a lot of people will not be traveling and and won't be home spending time with their family. So I want to make sure I have something a little fun and a little bigger than uh, an episode like this during those holiday weeks. So stay tuned. Uh, News is up next and get amped because there's a lot. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're just going to get 
into it. I may add more to this recording after the fact. If future Carly pops in, that's why. But there has been so much news this week already that I just want to tell you everything. So IAPA, which is basically this big, big, big theme park expo. It's actually very fun. I've been to it and uh, I haven't covered it because it tends to lean more amusement park than theme park. But basically you go to this convention center uh, in Orlando and there's a bunch of rides. And so there are a lot of like panels and announcements and usually uh, SeaWorld will make a huge announcement there this week. Disney, it is all virtual this year. So Josh Tomorrow did a huge panel and he announced a bunch of Disney news. But when you go there as a reporter, like you're doing all your reporting stuff and then it'll be like, oh, do you want to jump on this trampoline thing and put on a weird suit and stick to a wall? OK, do you want to do this motion simulator thing? OK, do you want to go in this weird foreign photo booth and take weird photo stickers? OK. And there's just a bunch of different rides you can try, like teeny tiny little roller coasters indoors, too. It's very cool. Obviously, this year that is not happening. People are not cramming into an expo hall to go on tiny coasters. But there was enough news to make it exciting anyway. So from the start, the biggest piece of concrete news is that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure will open in 2021. This is the new attraction coming to Epcot, which is a version of the one that is at Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris. Uh, this ride is themed to the film Ratatouille, which we talked about last week. It has trackless vehicles shaped like rats, and you travel through a restaurant kitchen and go on an adventure. I don't want to spoil it, so I won't say too much. But it was concrete said out loud that it will open in 2021. This is delayed from its original opening, but it is the first time publicly it has been confirmed that it will open next year, which is very exciting for anyone who is planning a trip to Walt Disney World in the year 2021. Now, a lot of the more exciting stuff was a little more ambiguous, but still very, very exciting. We got a lot of first looks and kind of peeks behind the curtain of things that are to come. The most exciting one to me personally is that we got to see a little bit more of the experience in store for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, the Guardians themed coaster that's coming to Epcot. There is no specific date yet. Obviously, timelines are shifted because of the global pandemic, but we were able to see an indoor photograph of the track as well as Disney themselves released a video of two Imagineers on board the ride outdoors. So not in its final state when it was kind of in testing. And they're on the ride vehicle, which is a big deal because that goes backwards and forwards and spins. I said online earlier that I'm not entirely sure if that footage was available before. I've seen it before. I'm almost positive I've seen it, but I'm not sure if it was at a press event or if it was because it was publicly released. So it is really, really cool, even if you've forgotten about it like I had because my brain is filled with so many other things. Like I, I know more facts about aerosols than I ever anticipated this year. But if you watch that, you can really get a feel for what the ride's going to be like. And it's extremely cool. It's unlike anything else that they have at Walt Disney World. So personally, I am thrilled. And not just because it is a brand new ride using a system we really haven't seen stateside at these parks at Epcot, which, you know, you know, I love me some Epcot. Now, we also got a preview of a, the interior of a room on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the Star Wars Hotel, as some call it. Now, if you remember anything about this, you know that it is basically a 
cruise ship on land. That's how it's being treated. When you stay, you don't stay for a night. You don't stay for four nights. You stay for a set three-day, two-night experience. And while you're in there, you are in a cabin that looks like you are on a ship because the entire experience is supposed to be like you are on a vessel in the sky. And it looks exactly like the rendering. I got to say, it's almost identical to the illustrations that were released previously. And they're in the photo that they gave, there is a bed and then two bunk beds. And I'm not going to lie. I I want to sleep in the bunk bed. I don't want to sleep in like the regular person bed. I want to feel like I'm in a little capsule hotel when I'm on board this thing, which is extremely exciting. There's a little ladder you can climb down. Oh, how fun. The one thing I wish they would have shown us is a peek at the bathroom because I need to know what the experience will be like to go to the bathroom in space while it's in story. What will the shower be like? What will the shower be like? I need to know more. I'm so excited for the details that are coming out. And frankly, do not be surprised if in a year or two, you see a photo of me curled up inside this children's bed, because that is where I plan on sleeping. They also released some images from the interior of Space 220. And the reason I bring that up is because the technology that's being used to power those windows at that Epcot restaurant, which is supposed to be as though you are 220 miles above Earth, so you have, you know, interplanetary views, though that is the same technology that is being used to power the windows inside of Galactic Star Cruiser, because as you'll remember, you know, it's an immersive story. You're not going to look out and see Florida. You're going to look out and it's going to be like you're in space. So those two are connected because of the tech. One of the other very, very cool bits of information that we got out of IAPA was that there is a video of the Web Slingers attraction. And why this is special is because you can see the ride vehicle that you will be sitting in. And it's very, very cool and unlike what you're used to. Now, Web Slingers is the new Spider-Man themed attraction coming to Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure. Like many other things, we do not know the opening date anymore. It has obviously been pushed because that park is still closed. But this ride vehicle is interesting because there are a lot of parallels you can draw between web slingers and something like Toy Story Mania. You are on a vehicle, you're moving through space, and you are shooting or slinging at something. The tech is very, very different, and that is kind of like a rudimentary explanation of it. But the big difference is that the vehicle is so drastically different looking, and it looks really, really slick. And so I I will link a video to it in the show notes, but it has made my excitement for that ride soar. I think that the, the most impressive part of that attraction will be the web slinging technology. I've seen footage of it. It looks phenomenal. It looks like it'll really, it'll really feel and look like a web is being cast out of your wrist. But the fact that the ride vehicle immediately puts you in the story, I think is going to be really, really special. And the colors are just, they all scream Spider-Man. If you remember from the coverage I did of the ride, this is pre-podcast, but I had the ability to tour Avengers Campus while it was under construction. And I've walked through the attraction building for Web Slingers. And it is so good. It is one of the best styled cues, in my opinion, that I've seen in a long time. I think it just looks really great and really cool. And kind of seeing it all come together with this peek at the ride vehicle just makes it that much more special. But even with all of this news, the biggest story this week is that Figment wore a sweater. I know. I know it doesn't seem as important as a coaster vehicle, but Figment wearing a sweater is a huge deal. Malia, friend of the podcast who broke this news, told me that they went on Journey to Imagination with Figment, not knowing 
that there would be a sweater at the end of the road. Actually, two sweaters. There are two sweaters on two different figments and absolutely lost their minds. <laughs> As did all of Diz Twitter the second this came out. It was a total surprise that Figment would be celebrating the holidays with a little gray and white knit sweater. And immediately by night's end, this news came out Sunday morning. By Sunday night, someone was already selling one on Etsy. And I saw this morning that someone had figured out a knitting pattern for this sweater. Diz Twitter moves quickly and... I, just basking in everyone's joy over this moment was so exciting. So thank you to Disney for making this tiny bit of magic happen for us that we did not expect. We did not expect Figment to be ringing in the holidays. And what a treat to have that as part of the holiday lineup. If you were someone who was absolutely shell-shocked by this figment news, I also want to let you know that Malia has a new podcast coming out called Stalling with Allison and Malia that is all about <laughs> theme park bathrooms. I personally cannot wait for it, so stay tuned for that. Or you can find them on Twitter at Mel Schneff, spelled Mel, S-C-H-N-E-F. Thank you for providing us this gift. That's all we've got for news this week, but stay tuned for a jam-packed mailbag episode. We're answering your questions, we're helping you go on a perfect vacation, we're even talking about things we love within rides and some other things which may or may not surprise you. So stick around, stay tuned, you are gonna love it. Hi, Carly. I'm thrilled you answered my Chicagoland bagel question. My partner was mortified, so that's how I know it was the right decision to call. But per his suggestion, he figured I should ask a theme park question to a theme park podcast. Um, I'm looking for your opinion on the paper you receive when you enter a single rider line at the Disneyland Resort. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you enter a single rider line at Indiana Jones or at Grizzly River Rapids, it's like just slightly bigger than a paper fast pass. Um, so my question around it is, why do you think they do it? Because they don't do it at all the single rider lines. And I don't think I've ever had that paper collected by a cast member or been told to put elsewhere. So I'm just curious why you think Ops does this procedure if it never seems to have follow through. Thanks. Fantastic question. I have also seen those extremely worn out little sheets of paper and wondered, is there a purpose to this? And it ends up there are multiple purposes. So I spoke to a cast member who is familiar with them, and they said that the paper essentially reinforces both to the staff of the ride and to you that you are a single rider. Sometimes you'll be merged with other riders at a certain point in the queue, and this really helps to give CMs a heads up on the fact that you are a single rider and other people are not. Especially when a ride is being boarded very quickly, it can help to keep things organized at that type of pinch point. It also drives home to you as a single rider what those policies are, specifically that you can be split up from the people you're with at any time, and there is no guarantee it will be a shorter wait. Sometimes people wait in the single rider line and don't know those two things. They don't know that you will be split up, and they don't know that it could be as long as the standard wait. So having that little piece of paper in your hand just drives home those two important facts. I hope that helps. Hi, Carly. My name is Paige. I'm a big fan of yours and the podcast. I love your whole vibe, and your Instagram always brightens my day. Um, I had a question about smells. 
for whatever reason, I love the smell of the contemporary resort lobby. Not like where Chef Nikki's is, but like where you check in at. Uh, my dad actually asked the manager what it was, and she said it was something with almond. But I wanted to know if you could find a definitive answer. The only other place I have smelled something similar is medical grade hand soap at a doctor's office, and I just felt a little weird asking them. Um, thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So I have some good news and I have some bad news for you. The bad news is you were told the wrong thing, but the good news is I know what scent it is. The scent at the Contemporary Lobby is green clover and aloe. It's a scent provided by this company called Scent Air, which provides uh, brand-specific scents, but also sells directly to consumers, which means that you can buy this scent to make your own lobby medical office dream at home. But in researching this, I found out something else that was very curious. That's this green clover and aloe scent. It's the same at the Contemporary. It's the same at Bay Lake Tower. And it's the same at Grand Floridian, which blew my mind because I am very familiar with the scent of Grand Floridian. And I actually realized that I associate the smell of lilies, which are in that floral arrangement in the lobby, more so with that resort than I do this other scent that is at the Contemporary. But it's the same at both. I know I don't believe it. And I kept confirming it. And the person I spoke to, who is a cast member, who I will not mention their name to keep them anonymous, but they said it is the same scent at both resorts. So there you go. Not almond, but green clover and aloe. Hope that helps. Also, I guess I should say what green clover and aloe is because that is extremely vague. So it is a scent that, according to the Scent Air website, has lemon verbena, watery aloe leaf, green daisy, I don't know what that is, hillside clover leaf, I also don't know what that is, and natural woods. Okay, maybe that didn't help, but at least it kind of, you know, set the tone for you for like a fresh scented future. Okay, bye. Hi, Carly. It's Brooke from Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I'm a little behind on the podcast, and it's just finished the Stacy episode, and I'm a little concerned that I don't know where to get the hot plastic cheese. And my trip's January 6th, so if I could know where to find hot plastic cheese prior to then, I would really appreciate it. Never had a Mickey pretzel before, and figured if I'm going to do it, I better do it right. Thanks. Never had a Mickey pretzel? Well, here at Very Amusing, we need to treat you right and make sure you go into your trip knowing everything you need to know. So naturally, I had to phone a friend, that friend being AJ Wolf of Disney Food Blog, who knows every single thing about plastic cheese, top to bottom, side to side of the cup that, yeah, I lick bone dry because I love me some plastic cheese. Before I play this call from her, I want to let you know there are two types of plastic cheese. There's one, which is peel top, which traditionally comes with a Mickey pretzel. It has been well documented that I do not like that one. My friend Brooke McDonald loves it. She is wrong. Also, everyone who has called in says that that's better. You're wrong. The other type is what you're thinking, like liquid gold, nacho cheese, gooey, nacho style, melted cheese, plastic goo. It's not actual plastic. It just has the consistency. So AJ will cover both of those. So just keep that in mind listening to this perfect, perfect, perfect call from friend of the podcast, Disney Food Blog. Hey, Carly. So here's the current list of plastic cheese locations. Of course, you can get it at those various 
carts where you can get pretzels with plastic cheese. That's going to be that prepackaged cheese with the little foil top. So that's going to be places like Liberty Square Market, Lunching Pad, Anaheim Produce, Dino Bite Snacks, Fife and Drum Tavern, Isle of Java, Magi Pool Bar, Westward Ho. Um, and again, that's free with a Mickey pretzel. Now in the actual parks where you can get the real um, plastic cheese, the yellow uh, served hot in, and they serve it for you in their, in those little cups. That's going to be Rosie's All-American Cafe has it on the menu right now for $1. Um, Backlot Express and Hollywood Studios has it on the menu right now for $1. Over at Cantina de San Angel in Epcot, you can get their white queso. They list it as nacho cheese, but usually we've gotten sort of a white queso option there. Now, also, Casey's Corner, when it reopens, they will have plastic cheese on that menu. I believe in this. Uh, Flame Tree Barbecue, as soon as those pulled pork fries with barbecue sauce and cheese sauce come back, you'll get it there. And then Cosmic Rays usually has a $1 plastic cheese option um, that's not listed on their menu right now, but you can always try for it. Now, there are a few restaurants where plastic cheese is on the menu, on a few menu options. So what's good to always note is that if it's on the menu, that means it's in the kitchen. So you can always ask for a side of it and it may cost you a little extra, but you can always ask for a side of it. So places where it's now on the menu, Beaches and Cream at Beach Club Resort. Right now it's on the cheese and bacon tachos for $9. Um, Old Key West Resort at Goods Food to Go. It's on the barbecued pulled pork nachos for $8.29. The campsites at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort has it at Meadow Snack Bar on the Meadows Loaded Chips for $8.79. And then over at Whispering Canyon Cafe at Wilderness Lodge, it's on the Burnt Ends Nachos for $12. So as long as those things are still on the menu, plastic cheese is in the kitchen and you can order it. Thank you so much, AJ. That is my song of the summer, regardless of the fact that we didn't even have a summer and it's November. I don't care. I want to make it my ringtone. I want to play it when I go to bed like a lullaby. It is a perfect audio file and I will cherish it for the rest of my life. Also, fellow plastic cheese freaks, do not sleep on the fact that Disney Food Blog started selling a plastic cheese sweatshirt and it is, mwah, that's me doing a chef's kiss, but you can't see my hands, but trust me, I'm doing it. It is absolutely perfect and I will be obviously buying one, so we all got a match. We all got a match. Hope this helps solve your cheese quandary. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. Framebridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with Framebridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, 
And even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to framebridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's framebridge.com. Hi, Carly. This is Lauren. I love the podcast. I think you're amazing. And yeah, I'm calling today because there's been a lot of wishes talk and I love wishes for one. Uh, but also, I remember hearing when I'm working at the park that the little girl that sings that beginning part of wishes or, you know, like the main part. I heard that she was a Make-A-Wish child who had passed away, and that's why they chose to use her voice. So I was just wondering if there's any concrete truth to this so I can solve this mystery once and for all. I know you'll get down to it. Thanks. Bye. I had to look into this one because if it was true, I would be the biggest jerk in the world. I regularly, for the past few episodes, have commented about how uh, the music's real creepy and I would feel terrible. But thankfully, it is not true. Now, for stuff like this, I would usually reach out directly to someone at Disney or directly to someone involved in the show to prove this fact. But I got to tell you, this website, themainstreetmouse.com, they looked into it a few years ago and they have a pretty airtight answer. So, I'm just going to relay what they posted on their site. So the Main Street Mouse has a photograph of the liner notes of the Wishes soundtrack. And in these liner notes, it credits Charity Ferris as being the child soloist. They go on to say that Charity Ferris has done other work before and seems to be just a child singer who does VO work. So it's it's not it's not make a wish. It just seems to be some young talent who happens to sing on the show. I'm going to run with that. You know, as a reporter, I usually like to wrap things up with a bow. But this seems like a, a rumor that just doesn't quit that has already been debunked by the wonderful people at the Mainstream Mouse. So there you go. As you'll recall, a couple weeks ago, we got a call on the Churros hotline about the dangling foot in Pirates of the Caribbean and how it scared one of our listeners. It ends up more than one person was scared and scared of some other things too, which we covered in last week's episode. This week, there was a call for the things that you love in attractions, the weird little tidbits and the characters that you love to say hi to and see when you're on board a ride. So we've compiled some of the best ones here for you to take a listen to. My favorite thing to see is on the rare occasion when I go on that Winnie the Pooh ride, if you look back at the right time, you can see all the old characters from Country Bear Jamboree when it used to be at that location. The little detail that I am obsessed with is definitely in the attic scene of the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. There's all sorts of little telltale years involved in each of Constance's marriages. 
I did the college program. I used to work in Magic Kingdom, and I dedicated many a trip to finding out what that third year was because girl was getting married every three years. She can get it. But I almost don't want to know what the third year is because it gives me something to intently stare at and look. And even my fiancé at this point is like, cut it out, Patty. There's no year there. We will never find it. I love on Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, this big old fish in the Under the Sea scene. He's super big. He's at the end by, like, the little bass player, like, that fish. And he's just kind of, like, he's kind of chubby, and he's just sitting there, and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Like, he ate a whole plate full of cookies or churros. I love him. In the Mexico Pavilion, that's the Caballero's ride, when you're rounding the corner, that first corner where you pass by the tables where everyone's sitting, the water that hits the boat, I love that sound. It is very relaxing. I don't know what it is, but it's only on that boat ride. My favorite part of a ride is on Tower of Terror. The little girl is holding that plush Mickey. I don't know why. I read about it in the Hidden Mickey book so long ago, and every time I love to see it, it's my favorite. I love the Uncle Orville in the Carousel of Progress. Because I just think the line, no privacy at all around this place, is just hilarious. In Magic Kingdom in Frontierland, there is a wooden Indian that is on the porch of, I believe, one of the gift shops in the area. I think they move him around. But I found a picture of myself with him as a child and then realized I have been taking my children's picture with him every year. I used to love the moment in Soren where the golf ball was going toward you and you could see the hidden Mickey. I was a cast member at Soren at Epcot and we used to have a magical moment that we would keep a golf ball in our pocket with a little Mickey on it and we'd pick a family and we'd catch the ball and hand it to the child at that time. And it was like the most magical thing ever. In Spaceship Earth, when you get to the part where it's like they're talking about, like, space travel or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it is. It's just, like, the big room with the computers. There is a girl in there, and she's, like, a black girl. She's got, like, go-go boots and, like, a really cool outfit, and then she's got the jacket and she's got this big afro that's, like, amazing, and I love her. When we go to Universal Studios Florida, we ride the Gringotts ride, and every time we're going through the end scene with the dragon, and Voldemort blows the fire, and the dragon blows the fire, we look at each other and yell, the heat, because the first time we wrote it, we were so amazed that it was fake fire, but there was actually heat behind it, and now we just can't get over it, and we're obsessed. As a kid, me and my parents absolutely loved the man in the bathtub on Big Thunder Mountain at Disney World. On Expedition Everest, when you're going up the second hill through the temple on the right side, there's a tiny little skeleton just kind of hanging out there. We love this guy. We've named him Bony Bob. Hi, Carly. It's Crystal. I just want to say your podcast is amazing. I just finished listening to this week's episode on my ride home. And I wanted to share my Disneyland ride, um, favorite thing that I look for and I've always done with my group of friends um, growing up is every time we ride um, Big Thunder, we look for the goat at the top of the turn that has the dynamite in his mouth. And we would stare at him so we wouldn't break looking, you know, in anticipation for the dip. 
and we would just stare at him, and it was just, like, our favorite thing to look for, something super small and probably means nothing to anybody else, but to us, it's just one of, like, my childhood memories that I still do to today. So I had to share since I felt like I had something that actually applied to one of your podcasts, um, but so happy to uh, find this gem on the podcast way. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Incredible responses all around, but I wanted to break out this specific one from Crystal because I am not sure if this call is referring to the goat trick, which is kind of like what it's called among fans. So I don't know where it began. I don't know who started it. It's just like a word of mouth thing that has popped up on Reddit and different blogs throughout the years. But when you are on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and if you look at the goat with the dynamite the entire time that the track is descending downward, you will feel the coaster differently. I think it's some sort of G-force inner ear something. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but the ride will feel more aggressive if you don't break eye contact with the goat. Also, just so I'm being completely clear, this is for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at Disneyland Park. I'm not entirely sure if that's what Crystal meant or not, but either way, if you are unaware, the next time you're on Big Thunder, keep your eyes on the prize, the prize being that goat, and it's going to feel different. I promise you. Thanks so much to everyone who called in with these wonderful responses. Oh, I love them so much. Hi, Carly. It's Brandon Shaniani, your glitter troll and Christmas tree queen. Okay, so we need to talk about the Shanghai Challenge Trail because I, too, have been on it. I went in 2016, and I literally could not fathom or understand. When I came back home to explain it to my friends, Nobody understood what I was talking about, and they thought I was just talking about some Grizzly Creek Challenge Trail or whatever that is that we have in DCA that does not even compare. Um, I have never been to a Disney to a Disney park and almost thought that I was about to die. And um, we did it about like three times, and um, I tried to film on it, and I thought that I was literally going to die and drop my camera, so I put everything in a locker. Anyways, um, I love you so so much. I miss you so much, and. I'm so proud of all your accomplishments. You're doing amazing. I'm listening to every episode. I love you, love you, love you, and have an amazing day. Bye. Brandon, thank you so much for calling. It's so wonderful to hear from you on the Churros Hotline. And I realized in doing so that I just need to take a moment to talk about this Shanghai Disney attraction. I mentioned it many times. It's the Challenge Trails. And I just want to break down what it is because I assume I will keep talking about this for the rest of my life. And it's about time I just explain what it is once and for all. So it is an elevated ropes course. There are three different trails and they all take place in what's called Roaring Mountain, which is this huge towering mountain at the Shanghai Park. Now, The thing about the three trails is that they are different. Sometimes you're just, you know, walking on a bridge. Other times you're gripping the inside of a rock formation next to a waterfall. It is wild. Now, I've only gotten to do two of the three trails in total, but I'll tell you, the next time I go back to Shanghai Disneyland, that's all I'm going to do all day is do all three over and over and over. And the reason you only get to do one is because it kind of takes a lot of time to actually get to the attraction. You wait in line for a while and then they hook you individually into a harness. And that harness clips to this overhead track that you're secure in during the duration 
of the entire attraction. Now, that process takes a while because, as you can imagine, there are uh, many safety checks. There are a lot of buckles. There's a lot of pulling. And they want to make sure that you're going to stay in there because you are going to be dangling from a bajillion feet up off the ground, or that's at least what it feels like. Now, on each of the three trails, there are different versions. And what I mean by that is that it's not just you hop on and you're on a ladder and then you're on a plank and you're just going. There are different options and there are platforms in between if you choose to take a more exciting or less exciting route. I don't want to say dangerous because it's not, it's safe. It's completely safe, but it definitely feels very scary and very real. So, Sometimes you'll be hopping between wood planks. Sometimes you'll just be on a wobbly ladder. And then other times there are just a full pathway walkway if you just want to walk alongside and just experience the view and not necessarily, you know, (laughs) see if you're scared of heights in real time. Uh, The most annoying part of it, though, is that you you have this harness clip rope that you have to drag with you and it's like ka-chunk, ka-chunk, and you have to drag it the whole time but sometimes you can pull on it and stabilize yourself so it does come in handy and also that's what's keeping you in place which is very very good so like I said sometimes you'll be on a stable plank bridge sometimes you'll be on a wobbly ladder other times you will be inside a waterfall I looked up a YouTube video just to be like oh yeah what was Was that waterfall walk as scary as I remembered? And the YouTube video that I found for reference had a person crying. She was crying because it was so stressful, which I get. It is that scary. So I'm very thankful that my memory of it lives up to the truth. Also, at the end, one of the pathways is just a rope. You're just walking on a rope with like a few ropes to hold on to, but not that many. It is frightening, but it is safe and it is brilliant. It is well done. So bravo to whoever did it. If you ever make it to Shanghai Disneyland, you have to go on this attraction. You will want to skip it because it's a long way because all the harness stuff, but you must go. Also, do not forget you have to wear closed-toed shoes to be able to go on this. And uh, if you're wearing a skirt or a dress, just be sure to pack another pair of shorts or leggings because there's a harness and it's not going to be cute if all of your business is out out on the mountain. But it's it's worth it. It's worth it to carry clothes with you to go on this one because it's such a dream. Thank you so much for calling in and letting me talk about this. Ugh, maybe it is my favorite attraction. Maybe it is. Hi, Carly. Um, my name is Gabe from Pennsylvania. I just have a question. Like, what is your most controversial food opinion um, in the theme park? So, like, specifically at Universal and then at Disney. Thanks. Who, me? A hot take about something in a theme park? Never. So I'm going to try to keep this as straightforward and normal as possible. My big food rule when it comes to theme parks and reviewing stuff is that I don't eat blue. I do my best. Sometimes I fail, but for the most part, I do not eat anything that is the color blue. For me, when I'm at these parks, I'm usually working. I'm usually there for very long days, sometimes weeks at a time. And I really need to keep tabs on how much extremely processed food I eat because I'm often eating it five, six, seven, eight times a day. So not eating blue just kind of weeds that out. And it kind of keeps me to more, I don't want to say homegrown sweets, but things that are not as chemically food color based. The other thing is I do my very, very best at a theme park to not eat any packaged food. The exception to that is a chocolate frog, which I have not on alone in my hotel room. No big deal. That's how I live my life. Whatever. Don't judge me. Uh, But I won't really buy packaged goofy candy. I won't buy those Rice Krispie treats in the little plastic bags. I won't buy the prepackaged like mini bakehouse bake shop cookies. 
that's not for me. I also no longer buy the cookies at Disneyland because they're trash. They're trash. They're very bad. I don't know who started this rumor that like the baked goods are are good and like the birthday the, you know, like the birthday cake scone is good. It tastes like eating crumbs. It tastes like going to a restaurant, getting those saltines that you get with chili, crumbling them up and being like, yum, yum, dessert. Not for me. I will stick to a marshmallow wand. Yeah, I like a marshmallow wand. I said it. Controversial take maybe that I love a marshmallow wand. They're fantastic. And they give you a sugar high that's way stronger than caffeine without having to wait in line at Starbucks. Win, win. But I mostly stick to that section of the bakery case. That, sometimes a Rice Krispie treat, but not as much. A churro toffee, you know I love. But more often than not, I will only get bakery goods at Disneyland. If I'm at Disney World, I'm not really waiting in line to get to that case to get a crispy treat, a cupcake, a cake pop, stuff like that. I am I'm saving up my sugar points, which aren't a thing, but it's a currency I'm inventing right now. And I am going to Caramel Kush in Germany and just getting all of the caramel corn. Like when I'm at the theme parks, I want ice cream. I want a sit down dessert at a meal. I want caramel corn. I don't really want... Uh, cakes and cookies and things that I could package and carry with me because I know they're going to melt and I don't really want to sit on a bench and eat a cupcake. Like I'd rather enjoy it in a different way. That's just me. I don't really waste time on beverages. A smoothie, a slushy, a, a seasonal drinkable float, not going to happen. Not interested. I'm here to eat. I'm not here to drink. I want to chew. I love to chew. I also don't Really mess with seasonal churros anymore. I think I discussed that on an earlier podcast. That's not really where I'm at. I'm at more of a, a like a pretzel-y, popcorn-y type of vibe instead. Now, specifically at Universal, I don't really have that many controversial takes because I, as I've discussed, as I've reported on, I am only eating at Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I know what's good at those parks, and that's all I do. Maybe I'll throw in a mythos here and there. But I have a game plan from the second I step on property. Like, I'm not going to accidentally wind up eating burgushi two nights in a row. I know where I'm going, (laughs) Universal Orlando, and it is straight to putting fish and chips down my gullet. I mostly covered Disney already, but I will say if I don't like what's on the menu and nothing really appeals to me, sometimes things are too meaty for how hot it is in Florida. You know what I mean. Like, I can't eat a meatloaf at 50s primetime when it's 200 degrees outside. So I will just order off the kids menu. I will just get chicken fingers. I will get macaroni and cheese. And even though you're at a restaurant that you don't go to a lot and you should probably eat something off the main menu, the macaroni and cheese of Walt Disney World is fantastic. And I am never disappointed by it. So I get it more often than you would think. But okay, okay, I'll give you one more for Universal. I'm never going to order a butterbeer. It's not happening. Frozen? Maybe. Hot? Never. Regular temperature? Never. I got one at Universal Studios Hollywood when they opened Wizarding World, and I was in such a sugar coma, I didn't know if I could drive home. I was that out of it from that much sugar and just crashing immediately. So ever since then, I do not mess with butterbeer. I will have it in soft serve version. I will have it in fudge form, but I am not chugging a glass of butterbeer. Not a chance. You will never see it happen. The only exception before I'm called out on this by my friends is when I went to the opening of Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure and I had a butterbeer and there was alcohol in it because it was my birthday 
and I wanted it. But beyond that, I am never just having a glass of butterbeer. I can't I can't process it. My body will shut down. I get very sleepy when I have sugar, which is what a lot of these choices are informed by. It's not just me being like elitist or annoying. If I cross the threshold of sugar, I'm asleep like I'm I'm done. And when you're out all day and you're on vacation or you're working, you're in a different state. You can't really do that. So I don't know. That's that's where I come from. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. show thank you so much for listening and thank you to everyone who called into the churros hotline and helped me answer some of those very specific questions i want to encourage everyone to like and subscribe and leave a review on apple podcasts i know i know i'm a broken record it doesn't even like register when i say those words anymore but i want to thank um E, Mike and Gary, Disney Ash, and Jeff C34211 for leaving reviews recently. I really appreciate it. It has a huge impact, or so I'm told. I I, I don't know, but it's also, it's it's nice. It's nice to hear from you all through Apple, through like, I guess the, uh, I can't write back, so it's not really like a communication platform, but you know what I mean. Anyway, I appreciate it, and I thank you. That's what I mean. I thank you. We will be back next week with so much more. I am working really hard on tying some of these episodes together for the end of the season. Oh my God. But there's also some stuff that's coming together for season two. So don't worry your pretty little heads. There will be so much fun theme park stuff ahead at both of the resorts. Now, I do want to talk about Patreon. Thank you to new members, Emily, Maddie, Leah, Lily, Eric, Jennifer, Tara, Danielle, Savannah, Sybil, Allie, Alexandra, Alza, Dave, Julie, Jeanette. Okay, that's as far as I can scroll. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon party. Uh, As a reminder, you can sign up for a full year if you'd like. You'll get a pretty hefty discount. It's like at the highest level they would legally allow me to give. So if you want to stick around for a full calendar year, feel free to do that. Uh, I am on Patreon every day. I'm answering messages. I'm posting weekly or a little more often than weekly, as you will see later this month, podcasts. We're doing weekly Q&A blog post type of things. And at the end of every month, there is a special newsletter zine, which is very, very fun and I'm very excited about. So it's a party. If you want to join us, we recently did an episode about um, I my parents gave me all this vintage Grand Floridian stuff that my grandma had, including a vintage press release, which is a whole other thing. But uh, it's it's in the Patreon. But there are some upcoming Star Wars themed things. And then starting very soon, I will be putting some exclusive stuff from these episodes up on there. So some video, perhaps some little things that didn't make it in the show, some updates on some of the episodes that I have not yet announced. So patrons stick around because you will be getting all of that very soon. I, if you're listening to this and preparing for Thanksgiving, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know that many of us will be doing that alone in our homes with our families, and that really stinks, but 
it's a pandemic and anything we can do helps to stop spreading this. So, oh boy, if you can, please make sure to donate somewhere, anywhere, cast member pantry, second harvest food bank, something local. Uh, it, it matters. And especially in the Thanksgiving season, it means so much. This podcast is edited perfectly. I don't know if I ever said perfectly. This podcast is edited perfectly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart. This was one of my favorite episodes. I just love that little ratatouille. The guests were really good. I think they really had super voices. I loved it. It was really, really good. Um, I wanted to know that when that ratatouille ride is done, I'm hoping that maybe we can make a trip out of it and go and go on the ride in Disney World. That would be so wonderful to be with you and do that. I just wanted to say it was a great episode, and I really enjoyed it, and it felt like it was just over too soon. So one more question. I won't, I won't keep you. I wanted to know if you ate that ratatouille chocolate little rat thing. I thought that looked so cute, and I'm wondering what it tastes like a year later. Anyway, talk to you soon, sweetheart. I love you, and great episode. Bye.